Our great and wonderful Savior, we are here today in this beautiful area to be able to worship you, and we thank you for those that are here, and we pray that you will impart to us wisdom and guidance and your word. We thank you that you allow us to gather as a body of Christ, being able to see one another, being able to touch one another, being able to, Lord, be near each other. And God, we thank you that we can trust you to keep us. And even during this time of the pandemic, we know that you are in control. It really helps us to know that even when there's chaos, you're in control. Even when it seems like, God, we don't know what's going to happen because we don't, you are still in control. And we thank you that we can entrust to you every worry, every concern, every problem. We can rejoice in the Savior of our soul. Now, we continue to pray for those who have lost loved ones. We lift up Lord Mother Catherine and her family. Lord, two losses recently. We're praying today that you will keep her and help her. And every child of hers, the grands we lift up, all of the relatives, we pray that you will bring comfort to them right now. We thank you that we can bring this to you. And then as we bring the word of God, give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today as a title for this message I have given, You Cannot Cancel Jesus No Matter How You Try. <laughs> you cannot cancel Jesus no matter how you try. I'm going to read the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 1, or rather Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 verses 1 through 20, and I'll be reading out of the ESV. When we're inside, we're able to put it up on the screen, but if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. If you do have your word, you can find it in Luke chapter 2. This is how it reads in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage, lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was, was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels, verse 15, went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the same that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Again, you cannot cancel Jesus no matter how you try. Point number one, I'm going to give you three points, then briefly elaborate on them. The first point is the historical recognition, the historical recognition. That would be primarily Luke 2, 1 through 5. The second point is the birth of Jesus. And the third, and excuse me, and the reference for that would be Luke 2, 6, and 7, and Micah 5, 2. And the third point is the angelic pronouncement to shepherds. That would be verses 8 through 20. The historical recognition. We considered before John the Baptist last time when Zechariah had been told when it was his time to be on duty in the temple, offering up the prayer and the praise to the Almighty. And he was from the tribe of Abijah, which was the eighth in regards to the priest. There were 24 divisions, and he was the eighth. And so there being about 18,000 priests, Each priest, maybe once in their lifetime, would have the opportunity to enter the temple and to be able to provide the service unto the Lord. And just by the guidance of the Almighty God, it wasn't by chance nor by luck, Zechariah was on duty. And while he was inside the temple, others were standing outside praying, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And said, greetings. And the Bible says that Zechariah was scared half to death. I mean, that's my interpretation. He was was scared. He was a little fearful. (laughs) And the angel told him to fear not. He says, your prayers have been answered, Zechariah. Now, Zechariah by this time was old, as I told you. He was an older man. And when the Bible said that you're going to have a child, you and your wife, Elizabeth, Zechariah thought to himself, you have to be kidding. I am now too old to be having children. Too old. And told the angel, too old and can't be done. And the angel says, Zechariah, I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to tell you this good news that your prayers have been answered. You are going to have a son. But because of your unbelief, you're not going to be able to speak until it happens. And so from that time in the temple until the time that John the Baptist was born, he was mute. Now, I want you to understand this. As I mentioned, that Zechariah had been praying before. And when the angel said that, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered It wasn't that Zechariah had still been praying for a child. It's that he had prayed sometime in the past, he and his wife, to have a child. 
And so it was an interesting thing to have this angel to come and say, your prayers have been answered when he by this time had long stopped praying. Do you not know that your prayers don't have necessarily an end date <laughs> until God says yes or no or wait? He told Zechariah and Elizabeth, wait. But oftentimes it comes to where <laughs> God's timetable is not our timetable. Because I would have been saying a long time ago, it's just way too late. And I imagine that he had to have Abraham and Sarah on his mind when he said, I'm just too old. <laughs> but the child was born. And at the same time that she conceived, the Lord said that the angel also appeared to Mary. And it is interesting to note that as the same angel appeared to Mary, who was a teenager... He said, Mary, oh, favored one, basically. And she wondered, at what type of greeting is this? Now, I want you to understand this. He says, Mary, you're going to have a child. And she says, how can I have a child? I've, I, I, I've never been with the man. I'm a virgin. She, and the Lord says, the Holy Spirit, the angel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. And interestingly, she said, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be. Now, here's a teenager who was showing more faith than a man who had been around a long time, Zechariah. She believed what the angel said. The Bible says that she became pregnant. Now, we pick up at this point where in history there had been a span of over 400 years between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of what's called the New Testament, the canon of Scripture. During that 400-year period, which is called the intertestamental period, between testaments, we call those the silent years, or I don't, but these scholars do, and they're known as the silent years because there was no direct revelation or word from God to the prophets as he had been speaking. When You see, the Lord had a word to convey. He would often speak to his prophets. He would give a sign. But during this time, there was no direct communication that is known between heaven and earth. So they're called the silent years, the intertestamental period, 400 years. Now, God was moving, but there was no prophet. Then we have bursting on the scene... <laughs> this incredible announcement, almost as if history had been preparing for this time, getting ready for the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Silence from the Lord that this time was so special as he was getting ready for the King of glory to come into the world and had no thing, nothing taken place. So that when God opened the windows in the heavens, it would be indeed a great and mighty and wonderful privilege. It is noteworthy that the birth of Jesus is unlike any other birth in history, even different than John. Even though both of them were the sons conceived in incredible ways, yet Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible says that there had been a census that had been ordered by Quirinius, who was governor 
Also during this time, there was a person by the name of Herod the Great who was on the throne. Now, Herod the Great was just plain crazy. Some skeptics have said that Luke's account cannot be right because in history they don't see a Quirinius as being governor in Syria during the time where Christ is to be born. And so they have questioned whether Luke, Luke's account is accurate. And lo and behold, when they, in fact, many of them have just discounted Luke's account of, the, of his book, Luke and Acts. They just said he couldn't have written it. It's just wrong. And lo and behold, they have been proven wrong over and over and over again as history has uncovered the very things that they have denied. Now, it is unclear in history because in the sense of Quirinius, there were no other records showing. But Luke said, I have investigated everything perfectly. Just because they couldn't find it doesn't mean it didn't happen because the Lord's word has been confirmed. And so it is believed that there were two times that Quirinius was possibly um, the governor, possibly between 10 to 7 B.C. And again... There was the record showing that he was governor at 6 to 7 A.D. Herod the Great ruled from, I believe, 27 or so B.C., and he died in A.D. 4, or excuse me, B.C. 4. So Christ had to be born before Herod died. It is amazing that in this historical acknowledgement that the writer and history, history records Historically, that Jesus was indeed born. It was pronounced. Everything centered around Christ. And so Luke, in his account, makes an, a historical account of what was taking place during this time. Luke is one who will oftentimes give the rulers that are in place. You'll find in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 1, as he mentions Tiberius who ruled after the Caesar that is in place, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, he was born Gaius Octavius. It was the Roman Senate who bestowed upon him the name Augustus. And one of the things in regards to this decree, the decree came from Rome that there should be a census. Every 14 years or so, a census was taken. Now, this was not a census to determine who was going to be in the army because those that were Jewish could not fight in the army. It would be a taxation maybe on property. It was not a poll tax, meaning that everyone would be taxed, but Joseph would have to go to his hometown to register. So Quirinius is mentioned Caesar Augustus is mentioned. In chapter 3, Tiberius, who took the place uh, or who came to power after Augustus. And so Luke builds the account. These are the circumstances that are taking place. And then you will find in the accounts later that Herod the Great, as we know, as Christ later on, as he was born some time had passed, he ordered the killing of all babies two years old and under because he heard that a king was going to be born. So history records, isn't it great that Jesus who made this world can be included in his own history? The pronouncement of Jesus and his birth is etched in history. 
And to this day, even though he may not have been born on the 25th, he eclipses every holiday or anything that was going on. Even though they may have been serving the sun god, whenever Christ comes on the scene, he eclipses anything and every event in history. So we note that he is noted in history. The next thing that we note in point number two, we note the birth of Christ. Now, Joseph and Mary were from Bethlehem, which would be the city of David. Joseph was living in Galilee and Nazareth. And so the time came when, for the census, for those that had to register, they had to go to their hometown or their ancestral home. So he had to go to Judea. Now, Mary went with him. Even though Mary didn't have to register, I want you to note that all through history, the Lord had been lining out in Scripture that the child had to be born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which is another name for Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, just a small little place, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, referring to Christ. It had been already stated that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And so God moved heaven and earth. He had kings and governors and various ones to orchestrate and to say this needs to take place. They thought they were in control, but they really weren't. It was the Lord that says, I've got a timeline to keep. My son has to be born in Bethlehem. It had already been stated throughout Scripture, and so now it is time for it to be fulfilled. So Joseph, you got to go to Bethlehem. Now Mary's going with him. By this time, she's close to delivery. It's about 85 to 90 miles from Nazareth to Judea to Bethlehem. Now one of the reasons that Mary may have gone was possibly because people would have been saying, yeah, the virgin birth, I bet. And so Joseph possibly didn't want to have her sitting there in town for ridicule, but that could be one that some have come up with. But I, I got to tell you, no matter what the Lord had already said, that she's got to go to Bethlehem, the Christ has to be born there. When something happens, you need to understand, no matter what takes place, God is in control. He's going to make sure that his word is confirmed. His providence is unfathomable. God has no problem that is too big for him. Now, the Bible says that when they got there, the time came for them to be born. One of the things that often comes up is that the innkeeper is oftentimes looked down upon and says, oh, how come he didn't provide room? The Bible doesn't say anything that the innkeeper did wrong. There was just no room for them in the end. Now, some think that it was just so crowded. Now, it could have been, or there was no suitable place in the sense for her to be able to deliver a child. Because it's possible that they were in an open-air area, and so they had to find a place. And the Bible says that when they got there, the child Jesus was born. The birth of Jesus at the time in Bethlehem, according to God's timetable. So we note the second point, his birth. Now, in his birth, there had been many people that had been looking forward to his birth. Many people that had been saying, uh, we're looking forward to the Messiah coming. But when he came, many of them would not accept him nor believe. Isn't it something that when you've been given proof, you sometimes have a hard time accepting and believing the truth? We have to make sure that we do. Point number three, the angelic pronouncement to shepherds. Now, this is absolutely, actually incredible. 
You see, shepherds were considered to be very dishonest people. In fact, the shepherds were such to where they couldn't even, would not even be used as a witness. Isn't it something? You know someone has done something wrong and they're the shepherds. Let's call the shepherd. No, can't, can't, no, they can't use a shepherd. They are dishonest. Can't use them. They would not be used. But isn't it interesting that God sent his angel to some lowly shepherds that would not and could not be used as a witness in a courtroom? Dishonest. Just were up to no good. But it's to them that the angel came and God said, go to those shepherds and give them the good news. And it was there on that hill. And note this. It was the angel who appeared. And the Bible again said that they were scared to death. Some of y'all be saying scurred. They were scurred. <laughs> and the angel said, fear not. You need to note something. You need to understand this. That when it comes to this matter of the Lord giving his word, you need to note that he'll use anybody that he wants. Anybody that he chooses. Even though you may have cast a person away, the Lord will use anybody. And here it is, he used some, some shepherds. And he told them the good news. And get this. Rather than questioning what the angel said, the Bible says that they hurried to investigate. Now, many people think that they ran. It wasn't so much that they ran because of fear. It's that they were excited to carry out and to go check and see. In other words, they didn't hesitate and say, oh, I'll go sometime tomorrow. They went then and they found this baby lying in a manger as had been pronounced Wrapped in swaddling cloths, meaning that those cloths would keep the limbs straight. It was common to wrap children and babies, rather, in these cloths, swaddling cloths. And we find the Lord Jesus Christ in a feeding trough for animals. Some believe it was a cave he was born in. And laid as his resting place in a place where animals would eat. That's how our Savior came into the world. At a time to where his life would be at risk, let me just say this in closing. You may think that you were born at the wrong time. You're not. Some of you may have questioned <laughs> your very existence. But I want you to know something. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have any errors. And what you think is an error or a mistake, he's able to make changes and make it appear that it was all his will because it is. So don't let anybody ever tell you, even when you may feel like, be, like you're down and nobody cares. God cares because he sent his son to this earth just for you. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. But let me say this in conclusion. The birth of Christ is for every person who says yes to the will of God. Isn't it great that it doesn't cost you anything? Can't pay for him can't pay for salvation. You can't work for it. You can't say, Lord, I've been good enough. No, but it's a gift of the Almighty. And so during this Christmas season, man, wouldn't it be wonderful just to have you say, Lord, thank you. I accept you. Just to thank him for his precious gift. Lord, as we conclude today, we are so thankful to you for your wonderful son and our father for you sending Christ the king. And for Jesus, you being willing to come 
to be born and then to give your very self, your life, for people who didn't even want you, weren't even looking. So today we pray that you will help us, be with us, and lead us. We love you, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. May God bless you. Have a great Christmas, everybody.